All the road and go. Where am I to go, me Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today, we are on the Washington coast, uh, just north of Westport at a town called Markham. We are at the International Mermaid Museum. I had no idea there was a mermaid museum, but as we were driving through, we saw it. I stopped and asked Bailey if we could do a podcast, and she said, sure, she got all the arrangements made. So we are here at the International Mermaid Museum and with Bailey. Welcome, Bailey, to Where Am I To Go podcast. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the International Mermaid Museum. Thank you for letting us come in. Of course, of course. <laughs> so you haven't been here before, so I'm just going to give you the basic rundown. So the International Mermaid... We have a fortune-telling mermaid. She's motion-censored. I'm going to stand in front of her, and then she won't talk anymore. Once you trip her the first time, she doesn't talk. So when you first come into the museum, you can get your fortune told from Aquamarine. You can try tails on and pose with our mermaid on our throne. And then you can you, try on tails. You can try on tails. We have a bunch of tails in that trunk right behind you there. Holy you smokes. So what happens if you're a man? Can you be a man-made? Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like I always tell the kids, there's no wrong way to be a mermaid. Merperson, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So the museum was founded by Blaine and Kim Roberts, who met actually at the Westport shipyard when Blaine was building a new charter boat for his business. Um, Kim was one of the first female charter boat captains in Westport. Oh, wow. And Blaine owned and operated a diving business in Maui for 21 years. So when they moved to the mainland, they wanted to do, they did a variety of different things, um, but they wanted to have something that would allow people to see like the wonder of the ocean without actually being able to go under the water. Okay. So the museum is set up to be like you're swimming underwater through a shipwreck and it covers ocean ecology immersed through mermaid mythology because a lot of people are interested in mermaids and if you look at the ocean ecology, the mermaids that exist in specific cultures are closely related to the different fish. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Are you with me? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, because the other thing was, are people going to stop at the ocean ecology center? Maybe. But are people going to stop at the International Mermaid Museum and maybe learn a bit about ocean ecology? Oh, oh yeah. yes. <laughs> so that was kind of the basic genesis. Um, what an interesting way to present that. it, too. I'm yes. excited now. It's really fun. Every culture in the world that has a, a permanent body of water has a mermaid myth of some kind. Really? Hmm? So yep. they must have really existed at one point in time. I mean, that's what we think. But okay. that's our official line here at the Mermaid Museum. Um, and like I tell the kids on education tours, we do tours with third graders. We've only explored 5% of the ocean, so... Right. Who's to say? Well, all the sailors saw them. Exactly. Exactly. Know whether they were hallucinating or not, but... That is the question. <laughs> so, as we move through... Sorry about her. Could you stand in front of her? <laughs> <laughs> This is fun, watching Haley and Linda dance, trying to get the, the mermaid fortune teller to be quiet. <laughs> All right, so 
the first stories that we start off with in this room here kind of give people a taste. This room is free to check out. So this kind of gives people just an idea of what the mermaid museum setup is. You can see at the top of each display board, we have a mermaid myth from somewhere and an ocean ecology thing. So, um, Andaro are merpeople from the Pacific Ocean Solomon Islands, and they are similar to swordfish. So they are near our marlin and our swordfish tail. Okay. So that way you learn about a new person and you also learn about swordfish and right. marlin. And you have a swordfish up here that's probably what? This 15 feet, 18 feet long? It's 13 huge. 13 feet, 4 inches, 797 pounds. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. And this was caught in Hawaii? Uh, this was or? caught in Hawaii. Wow. Uh, on Kona. And the kid was 14 when he caught it. Okay. I'm assuming there was I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> it's like 10 times bigger than what he would have been. Yes. <laughs> they must have had him strapped to the boat. To be a fly <laughs> on that wall. Yeah, isn't that the truth? This is an amazing fish. It Beautifully really done, is. too. Yeah. So, um, then you can see we have more. We've got Wahini Huai and the sunfish. We also have Hannah Fraser, who is one of the first um, professional mermaids. She's one of the most famous professional mermaids currently working today. And we do have a video of her mermaiding and swimming in the entry hall. Um, so that way, even if we don't have a professional mermaid, kids can still see what an actual mermaid kind of swims and does. Now, you say when you don't have a professional yes, mermaid, so you do have a professional? Occasionally. So we, really? during the Mermaid Festival, will get in um, a... We, you did. It was the beginning of April um, because we try to line up with spring breaks, and that's pretty close to International Mermaid Day, which okay. is the 29th of March. Um, but we have, during the festival, a mermaid who brings a traveling tank and sets up at the end of the building, a mermaid on our throne, other mer people wandering around, really? lounging about in different places. Yeah. Wow. The professional mer community is really cool. It's a lot of ocean activists and performers. Um, so Hannah Fraser, in particular, is an ocean activist who enjoys swimming. She's a model. And her big goal was, how do I use these skills to share my love of the ocean? So she swims with tiger sharks. She swims with whale sharks, just to kind of show that they're really not that scary. She swims through coral reefs. People call her and say, would you like to dive as, swim as a mermaid in this abandoned city? And she goes, absolutely, yes. And so then they kind of put that out. And people are like, oh, we can dive there. And that's kind of her thing. And this video that she's showing, it's on the wall. It's probably uh, six foot by eight or 10 foot screen. It's a big screen. And it's got beautiful uh, photography or, mm -hmm. or videography, I guess you'd say, of her swimming along shipwrecks, swimming through like Greece cities and all kinds of different places. The thing I'd like to know is, does she have an air supply hidden someplace or does she do all this free diving? So Mermaid Hannah can free dive um, I want to say 90 feet on a breath. It's 90 or 50. No. One of those two. I know those are a big, it's a big discrepancy, I realize, but it's a, it's a significant, it's at least 50 feet. And she can hold her breath for four minutes. Really? Um, so I'm assuming that the person behind the camera, like, has... She's swimming with a whale. Yeah, right? Wow. And this is a job. Professional mermaids get to, per, get to swim with different ocean creatures dressed up as mermaids. Dang. Mm -hmm. 
swimming yeah. with a tiger shark. Yeah, professional mermaids. This is just unbelievable. It's, I could stand to watch this video all day. Uh, yep, we have a lot of people that do. Um, yeah, professional mermaids typically can hold their breath between two and four minutes. Wow. So. That's unbelievable. It's, yes. <laughs> And then we also have our giant paper mache mermaid, Porcelina of the Vast Oceans. And Porcelina was actually donated by the artist. If you guys look up Porcelina online, you'll see her. Um, she'll pop up by Jasmine Beth Beckett Griffin. And she was um, donated to the museum by the artist. She needed to find a new home for her. And she heard about us and said, would you like her? And we said, yes, please. And this is a mermaid so, uh, with, with the typical fish tail, uh, kind of bluish colored hair, and she's mm -hmm. laying on kind of a wave platform, mm -hmm. uh, probably, well, at least full human size, a little bit bigger little bit than bigger. full human size, yes. Um, and her tail is that is blue beautiful. willow pattern. And the, the artwork is... on the tail is, is really nice. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Yeah. Okay. All right, so now we're headed into the actual museum. Oh, wow. You step in here, you see mermaids all over the place. Seal, furniture, nets, uh, anchors. Sandy beach. Yeah, sparkly sandy beach and the concrete finish. Wow, this is cool. Okay. So I do want to highlight just a few of my favorite things, okay. if that's okay. So the first thing I want to mention is this anchor. I love this anchor. Somebody was, uh, Stan Curlio was working on a fishing ship and they pulled their net in and scooped up this, this anchor and because it was on his side of the boat, he got to keep it. And he marked down on his map where he found the anchor and it lived on his porch. He took a picture of it, sent it to a museum in California and said, hey, what can you tell me? And they said, that's 200 years old, can we have it? And he's like, nah. So we put an anti-rust on the top, which is why it has that, um, right. I know podcast listeners can't see, but the top has a bit more of a bumpy finish um, as opposed to the bottom where you can see the rust kind of shining through. So it's an anti-rust on the top. And then, um, so this gentleman had that on his porch for a while, a couple decades, came to the museum and said, this belongs here. Well, we had it on the floor. We didn't like it there. So um, our museum founder just had the had the brilliant idea to build the shipwreck, which also fits with the whole underwater, right. like you're swimming with the mermaids at the bottom of the ocean vibe. And so that was a good way to display the anchor. Now, sorry, as museum curator and director, I'm very nosy about history. And I did not like having an anchor that I didn't know anything about in the collection. Okay. So... I looked up and figured out the type of anchor it was based on the time period and the shape. It's similar to anchors used by Blackbeard on the Queen Anne's Revenge. And so I am sure enough that I would write an academic paper on this, that it is from the Nikolai, which is a ship that was stationed up in Russia um, in the 1800s, like early 1800s, okay. like 1808. They were sailing down from Sitka to establish a colony. They were trying to get to Astoria. Hold on. I'm gonna mute my TV. Okay. There's a lot Sorry. of there's a lot of noise in here because of music in different areas. Mm -hmm. yes, we got so. our mermaid fortune teller at the front. Yes. And that's all part of the ambience of this museum, that's true. which is really nice. 
Go ahead and keep it off till after we get through with the podcast, Perfect. but That's, I love that it's yes. that it's here. I, I actually, I mute it when I'm doing education programs as well, because it's just sometimes there's, there's a lot, which is awesome and part of the experience, but right. when I'm talking, I want the children to focus, so. <laughs> right? no, no offense. Um, so this ship was coming down from Alaska. The boat wrecked. Everybody got off the boat. The boat just sank and the anchor was picked up at about the same place that the ship went down according with um, accounting for 200 years of drift. Okay. Which is pretty cool. The story, however, gets even more interesting because they decide they're going to walk from the peninsula down to Astoria. Oh, that's a long walk. Which is a long walk, and they were not good at it, so they got lost. And they had several skirmishes with the local peoples, and the captain's wife was captured. So the locals were like, okay, stop shooting at us and you can have her back. And the, lo- and the Russians were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> so the captain is really sad because he misses his wife. And so finally the rest of the crew is like, okay, fine. We'll stop shooting at the locals if we can have her back. And the locals say, all right, let's ask her what she wants to do. Now, in one story, <laughs> in some stories, she says, nah. I'm going to stay here with these nice people in indentured servitude. And in the politest 18th century words, the gist is, I'd rather stay here in indentured servitude than wander around the woods with you idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Is the gist. Or she, uh, and so, and in some stories, the crew kind of leaves in shame and they eventually decide to surrender and are eventually ransomed by an American ship later. My favorite version of the story is that the rest of the crew looks at her, sees the fact that she's not starving to death, and goes, hang on, she might be onto something here. So surrender <laughs> themselves and just live in captivity for a while, which is very different at that time period for... Right. Uh, and so, and then they were ransomed later and brought back up to Alaska. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of delightful. The sad part of that story is there were somewhere between four and six Alaskan natives on the ship. Some of them were women, we think. The records are a little spotty, and they never did make it back to Alaska. So that's huh. that's sad. But did they go back and find the ship from his documentation of where this anchor was? They didn't. It's been so long that shipwrecks in this area tend to get pretty beaten up. Right. So anything left has probably already been washed up and recycled. Unfortunately, okay. it's on my list to go find. To it. go find it. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All I right. love lists so, like that. Yeah, you know. So that's the map chart that has the mark on it. It's a really cool map table. Again, podcast people, you can't see it. You'll just have to come and visit us. Um, and that's the reason we don't do video podcasts, because I want exactly. them to come visit. <laughs> so this corner here um, has a clip from Pirates of the Caribbean playing. It's the movie that has the mermaid attack. There's okay. some black coral which is really cool. It's the state gem of Hawaii. And it's a beautiful black coral tree, just kind of. It is. It's, it's yeah. what, probably eight or 10 foot mm-hmm. tall. Yeah. It's a very nice piece of coral. Beautiful piece of coral. And then we have our coral collection because we want you to feel like you're underwater. So it's got a lot of coral there. Um, my other favorite artifact right now, this week, is the carousel piece. Okay, that was on a carousel. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a ship figurehead. Um, it's a little faded, 
it's wooden. You can see that it used to be gold and cream and light blue um, with very pale skin. And that's one of eight carousel pieces, we believe. And that was brought by Napoleon Bonaparte to Egypt when he invaded. Oh, really? And so he brought it so he could show the Egyptians what real culture was all about. How did that go for him? did not go well. <laughs> um, I imagine the Egyptians like looked at his carousel and looked at their pyramids and were like, thanks, thanks, man. Um, especially because he tried to bring as much Egyptian stuff as possible back. back. Yes. So this carousel piece went from France to Egypt, back to France, ended up in Texas. Really? Where our museum founder saw it. It's the only piece that the museum has actually purchased. Um, and of the eight pieces, two of them are in Western Washington. Really? Which is really funny. Yeah, one of them belongs to a private collector. So. Wow. Yeah. What a piece. It is a beautiful I piece. I mean, history-wise and, mm -hmm. and everything else, the tales the mermaid could tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another one on my list of... Uh, I guess you could say she went around and around and around, around the around world. Around, around, around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she's in really good shape for having for being that old and being oh, yeah. on the water for that long too. So. And again, you've got several uh, different corals and a mermaid mannequin here, mm -hmm. along with your video that's showing. Yeah. And every display has some information about an ocean ecology fact, as well as a mermaid from around the world. So. Right, and mm -hmm. just to give an idea, this one says uh, mermaid mythology. And we're going to go with Savannah Matcha. Okay, which translates to Golden Mermaid in a Hindu story. Mm -hmm. Thai versions of the Ramana. Mm -hmm. As a mermaid princess, she tries to spoil Hannah. Do you know how to read all these words? Hanuman's plans to build there a bridge to Lanka, but falls in love with him instead. So he stays underwater until he's called back to complete the bridge. So basically, this prince has to build a bridge, it's over mermaid territory. She's like, hey, don't build a bridge there. And they fall in love by mistake. And he stays with her for a while. They live quite happily under the sea. Then he realizes he has to go back and tell his parents, like, I'm not dead. I just, we're not going to build the bridge here. And then he can't actually get back down to the water. Okay. And, and so, so the ocean ecology is the crown of thorns, is one of the world's largest starfish. It preys upon and destroys coral reefs. While most common in Australia, it lives worldwide in warm waters from sea, Red Sea to Hawaii to the Caribbean. It is named for its venomous spines that are said to resemble the biblical crown of thorns. Starfish can reproduce by autonomy or self-amputation and regenerate the lost body part later usually as a self-defense mechanism. Then it says, I have heard the mermaids singing, each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. T.S. Eliot, the love song of J. Alfred Prufuck. So, these, and these uh, plaques are all over here in the museum. Yes. As you walk through, you can see the mermaid mythology mm -hmm. from all these different countries like she was talking earlier along with this ocean ecology that that correlates with it yeah what a way to teach yes so it's my favorite kind of sneaky teaching because <coughs> right. you come in to learn about because you're a big fan of mermaids and then you learn about ocean ecology or you're really into ocean ecology and you leave learning about world cultures yes so. exactly and again we've got another display with some large crabs uh, some starfish, some carved turtles. That looks like a real turtle. 
He's carved, but is he, he does carved? look real, yeah. He does he look real. Looks real. Along with a couple more mermaid mannequins and some of that kind of stuff in this display. Yeah. And so then this display here is a professional mermaid tail. Okay. It's mermaid Una's first, one of her early tails. Um, and we just have it on display so people can gently touch it and kind of feel what a mermaid tail feels like. Um, mermaid tails worn by professional mermaids are silicone. They're about 45 pounds in the water. They're silicone all the way up to the all waist. All the way up to the waist. Hmm? 45 pounds in the water. Mm -hmm. And the silicone float or does it sink? <laughs> just kind of stays neutral. It's kind of neutral. That's what mermaid, the professional mermaids I've asked tell me. They tell me it's not that heavy in the water, to which I always say, you are professional athletes. Oh, no um, doubt. One of the mermaids that we'll get to her display over in a bit, but she was trained by Michael Phelps. And so I'm like, everything you say about athleticism, I'm going to take with a heaping tray of salt. Right. So, wow. Yeah. So Una the mermaid is the mermaid who brings her tank out here during the festival. Um, and so this is just kind of also a display to honor her and let people know too about some of the mermaids here in our own neck of the woods. That's so. just unbelievable because you'd think that swimming with that extra weight would weigh you down to yep. where not just being an athlete but a super right? athlete. Yeah, like it's, you were saying. Yep, it's really impressive. So. Okay, yeah. and this display, we've got a Neptune's uh, trident mm -hmm. on the end of a shovel, which mm -hmm. I find rather interesting. Yes, this is the shovel that was used in the groundbreaking of the museum. Okay. So which is why it has the... And the, the, the Neptune on top, it looks like it was hand-forged. Yes. Uh, and the mm -hmm. total shovel length would probably be about seven feet. Mm -hmm. So it's a big shovel and a Neptune. Mm -hmm. And you have a mannequin. Uh, is uh, this a merman or what is it? It's supposed to be Aquaman. It is Aquaman. Aquaman. It's supposed oh, to be Aquaman. Aquaman. It's Aquaman. It's Aquaman. Yeah. Okay. Um, we get a lot of little boys. Right. There's a lot of merladies. And so we wanted to have somebody that the little boys could be like, oh. Right. Here's my person. Some little boys wanted a boy, so we thought, why not have Aquaman? He fits. Yeah, he does. He's great. And again, you have some of your uh, mythologies with Triton and who's this guy? Kiss. Oh, this is just a fisherman here. Yeah. Um. So here, so Kiask is a Scottish mer woman that is half woman, half salmon. Oh, okay. And this is just a fisherman, just a fisherman. Um, a big thing in the museum is we want to make sure to highlight different industries right. that are local, and it's a big fishing community. So, Okay, our, our and he's holding an interesting fork. It says it was used to chip ice in the mm -hmm. hold of the boat. Yep, the devil's fork. I have never fork. seen one of those. They're that pretty is, fun. So they must have taken ice on board to keep the fish cold while they were out at sea. Wow, okay. And depending on how far north you go, you gotta chip that away. So. Right. Okay. Okay. And our next one here, we've got a movie poster of Splash. I think I saw that show. I don't remember. I'm not a big I'm not a big movie watcher. Mm. But uh, go ahead. Oh, so Splash is playing in this corner here. And this one's really fun. Um, because a lot of, for a lot of people, this is their first. Little Mermaid and Splash are the two big mermaid things that people remember. Okay. So we wanted to represent both of those. This mermaid here, which again, podcast people, come and see us. She's sitting in a chair mm -hmm. uh, in a kind of a queenly type pose or, mm -hmm. or something. Yes. 
and her tail is a tail dress, and it's white, and it's made out of milk jugs and plastic oh. bags, and her hair is also made out of plastic bags, so it's very white and flowy, and she is Mermaid Eternity of the Pacific Garbage Patch. Oh. So this mermaid is, what would a mermaid look like? if they had to adapt to living on the garbage patch. Okay, and the garbage patch, go ahead and explain that. The garbage that. patch is, at, oh gosh, I know it's, it's like, at least it's like, one Texas. Yeah, I was going to say it's in the middle huge. Of the ocean. Yeah. I heard it got up to two Texases, but I can't, I need to fact check that. How it's disgusting least, is that? It's at least one Texas of trash in the ocean. Isn't that gross? It is. So. And the problem is, is they dumped it all in there. Now they've got to figure out how to get it all back out. Exactly. That's the, uh, yep. And build another Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just build a Texas, put the trash on the Texas. So, yeah, so this mermaid um, is kind of her purpose, I think, and this is how I interpret her, is to show just the impact that we have on the environment. And when I do group education tours with kids, that's kind of the spin that we take it on. Like, right. mermaids have evolved so they can live in trash. What about all those creatures who can't? What does that look like for us? How do we fix that? Or how do we... Make sure no other mermaids having to, you know. Well, she's pretty good looking for being true, for yeah. being made of it's trash. It's true. Yeah. yeah, she's very pretty. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> this section also we have some fun information about tsunamis. Oh. Fun in quote unquote, um, which is just also an important thing. Most kids from this area know about tsunamis because right. they all know that you're supposed to go inland. Um, so that's always kind of fun. Well, what a way to teach them too. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay, and you got a pirate over here sitting yes. on a bench. Yep, our pirate on the bench holding on to the wheel. All right, now we're headed into the shipwreck. Oh. So this is the interior of the shipwreck. In the very center, we have a wheel. You can climb up on the platform here and spin it, which is really fun. I'll um, bet it is. The mm -hmm. kids probably Sorry. really enjoy that. Oh, yeah. You know, There's a lot too. of hands-on stuff here. Yes, that was important, too, um, because we want it to be for all ages, because even though there's a lot of a lot of mermaid stories are pretty dark. Okay. So we wanted to do our best to make sure it was still open for kids. Okay, and just in general, why are mermaid stories dark? Mermaid stories are dark typically because they involve mermaids eating people. Oh, Mermaids are cannibalistic? No, they're not, no, they're not cannibalistic. They're different. They're a different species. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mermaids tend to eat people, but mermaids are also, um, they tend to be around, like if someone pollutes too much or messes with the ocean, people will come out of the water and kill them. Um, also, mermaids tend to be spirits of, or reimagined re wronged women. Okay. So there's a mermaid named Yara who was murdered by her brothers for being a better fighter than, than okay. them. And so the moon goddess brought her back as a mermaid. She's a mermaid from the Amazon. And she came back and murdered all of her brothers and all of their friends because they killed her first. Wow. Wow. Which, now this is interesting to me because I always envisioned the mermaids as kind of a romantic sea siren that would call the ships in and then steal the men, but I didn't realize how far the stealing went. Yeah, there's a lot I thought it was more of a romantic story instead of a Some of graphically them are. murder story. Some of them are. <laughs> it's about 50-50. Okay. Um, because people also, a lot of mermaids have some sort of 
Like if you capture one, you can live forever. You can get a certain number of wishes. So people try to catch them to steal their magic. Okay. There's also a lot of stories of mermaids just minding their own business, sitting on rocks, and someone tries to catch them. So. Huh. Which. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I just had never thought of the of the other side of mermaidism. I just thought, yeah. hey, they're he cute, and, and they, they steal men and take them down under sea, and they all live happily ever after. Some of them, some of them do. Some of them have nice little bone gardens. Um, <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? Bone yeah. gardens. <laughs> but yeah, so... Now we so know where bone of, meal comes from. Exactly. So to kind of counteract that, like I said, we have a lot of stuff that's hands-on. Most everything, we welcome people to touch and kind of see what it feels like. Right. Um, how does it move? That kind of thing. So, and in this display, you've got learn. some cannonballs and you have some uh, net a, floats. And yes. These are five-pound lead weights. Lead oh, balls. Lead weights. Well, they're okay. lead lead shot, basically. I cannonballs. Mean, cannonballs. Yeah. They're is that a sextant that's in there also? It is a sextant that's yes, in there. It, wow. And a porthole, oh, yeah. uh, window, and just a whole lot of things that mm -hmm. Some are here to pins. look at close. Yeah. Um, we have a binnacle, a pretty tall one, which is basically the compass storage space. Boy, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I didn't know what a binnacle oh, okay. was. I was going to have to ask. I'm drastically oversimplifying this, but <laughs> basically it has a space in the middle and the compass can bounce inside because ships tend to right, bounce. Right. So that way the compass itself is also moving and a bit more free to move in a way that a traditional compass that's still mounted won't. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so you can pretend like you're the captain of a ship exactly. right in here. Other yeah. than it's underwater. Exactly. Now. Well, you still have the mermaids around you, so you kind of feel like you're still traveling. So. Okay. And a whole collection of sand dollars and mm -hmm. a nautilus shell. Yes. And a puffer fish. I love the puffer fish. And a mermaid in a bathtub. Yes. She and must she, feel a little bit out of place. Well, she's inspired in the shipwreck. Yeah. Um, but no, she's inspired by the story of, every time I mispronounce her, but... Uh, <sighs> do you want me no to try queen. it so that I can do yes, a really please. bad That'd job? Be great. Malusine? See? How yeah, bad did I butcher that's it? that's about right, actually. <laughs> Every time I want to put the S earlier than it is. Oh. So it's a Scottish story about this, uh, this king who has a beautiful wife, and his wife is like, hey, don't ever watch me in the bathtub. And he's like, okay. And then one day, he, he does, in fact, see her in the bathtub and finds out that she's actually a mermaid. So, and he didn't know that before. And he didn't know that before. She only was a mermaid in the water. Oh, okay. And so that was why no one could bug her in the bathtub. She's like, don't come in here. And the same thing happened to her daughter. Oh, yeah? And so in the end, she actually turns into a bird of some kind and flies away. Okay. And so when I tell this story to kids on education tours, the moral of the story is don't bother people in the bathtub. Good story. It's a good story. I think that's an important lesson for everyone. And the ocean ecology on this one's kind of interesting, too. It mm -hmm. talks about the puffer fish are poisonous with enough tetrodotoxin. What is that word again? Tetrodotoxin. Okay. In its organs to kill 30 adults. The poison is 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. 
There is no known antidote or substance to counteract the poison. Puffing up is the fish's primary defense since their normal slim body becomes too big to bite. It takes the fish over five hours to deflate. I had no idea all that about a puffer fish. Right? I just thought they were kind of cool. They are really cool. Uh, yeah, so. it doesn't look like much fun to play with, though. No, absolutely not. But, yeah, that's just the, the cool things. Yeah, underwater um, volleyball would not be much fun ooh, with that guy. Oh, absolutely not. Ooh. <clears throat> so this is another contemporary mermaid, Rachel the Sailing Siren, who's a certified free diver and mermaid instruction instructor who's from Las Vegas. Um, she was in American Ninja Warriors. She was also in Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. She's a fire performer, and she's usually here at the Mermaid Festival doing fire performances. In April. In April. Wow. Hmm? And so they've got a mermaid school that she's yeah. the instructor at. Uh, she has a freediving company. The Seattle Mermaid School is run by Olive the Alchemist, and she's over. And, and so there is a school that there if you decided you wanted to be a mermaid, yes. you could go. There's a couple of different places. So um, Rachel focuses more on freediving. Um, which is an important skill I, I would for imagine. mermaiding, yes. Yeah, because mermaiding with a scuba tank probably it's, would not be quite as impressive. It kind of wrecks the image, yeah. yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, Olive the Alchemist is our other mermaid who is here regularly. This is the story of Yara. But Olive the Alchemist is a um, certified mermaid instructor and has founded the Seattle Mermaid School. They were also a performer at Disney World. Oh, and wow. so the mermaids that come out of the Seattle Mermaid School are both uh, PADI certified, PADI okay. certified. PADI is, is, is a scuba diving. Is a scuba diving. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're diving certified as well as having experience in performance. Okay. Um, so that way they have kind of the best of both worlds because some mermaids get to swim all the time. Other people are on thrones or go to parties and do entertaining and like talk to kids. Right. Um, when they're here, Olive does that a lot. Um, sits on the throne, interacts with the kids, and you have to have a specific kind of what's the word? Um, performance skill level. Okay. Or a skill set to be able to do that, um, because if, some kids are afraid of mermaids, so you have to be able to show them that you're not scary. Okay. If that makes sense. And be warm yeah. and inviting at the same Probably time. Probably kind of a lot like a Santa Claus. How many exactly. pictures do you see of kids crying? Exactly. Right. So uh, that's Olive. And Olive's most famous tale is patterned after the tiger shark. Okay. So we don't have a picture of it here, but it's a really cool one. So. And something else that's just kind of interesting that I'll throw out there is mm -hmm. there's a big difference between free diving and scuba diving. Mm -hmm. With free diving, you could go down to 90 feet, like what you show at the front. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't remember what her name was. Hannah Frazier. Hannah Frazier. She can free dive and probably go down 60, maybe 50 feet. Well, 90 feet, you said. Uh, 50 on a free or 90, dive. one of those But two. if she had a scuba tank on and went down and took a breath of air at 90 feet, and swam up, she, her lungs would explode because mm -hmm. of the expansion of yep. the gases in mm -hmm. her lungs. So the free dive, she can go from surface to 90 feet and back up without any issues. But if she was using scuba, mm -hmm. she would have to be very careful of her elevations in order yep. to not have her lungs explode. Mm -hmm. So I can see why the PADI certification would be important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
and all the mermaids that come out of the Seattle Mermaid School, I just found this out at the festival, are insured. So, like, they come with their own insurance if they're at your party, which is oh. cool. Yeah. And they also have an open swim. You can rent a tail and swim with the mer people. Oh, really? And if you go to the school, you can do, they have lessons. They call it um, from guppy to experienced. Right. And they'll teach people how to wear tails safely because mermaid tails are, they're dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. I would imagine. So, yeah, right. Just the body movement that you've body, got it's to, like in order doing to the make the underwater a, worm for right. an extended period of time. And how long do you do that before you start getting cramps? Oh, or just mm -hmm. flat out wear out, and then you've exactly. got 45 pounds to just, just drag you down. down. Exactly. Because yes. swimming, again, as a mermaid with a life vest on probably doesn't fit doesn't the image the right. It doesn't have the same look, yeah. It's no. Inflatable so. bras or something. <laughs> is there a market for that? No, you're good. <laughs> Maybe I should invent that. There might be a market Maybe for that. Maybe there is. Mermaid we'll safety to... items. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so this section here, we actually break down a little bit. You're good. Um, this section here has a bit of world history and then local history because we have some artifacts that were donated by Roland Omar Yeomans, who enlisted. He's from Hoquiam, which is fairly close to here. Uh, he enlisted in the Navy during World War II after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and he actually was a salvage diver in Pearl Harbor, and oh, we wow. have his diving helmet. Which is um, one of the old school mm -hmm. uh, glass, just a glass front and has air pumped into it mm -hmm. from the top. It's a big, heavy helmet. It looks like a Scooby-Doo villain would wear it. Right. Yep. Um, and yes. you've got an old set of tanks, mm -hmm. the dual tanks that are small. Yeah. We uh, have a picture of him there and a picture of the ship he sailed on when he went out on the battleship USS New Mexico. Just some other fun artifacts kind of related to him that came from his family. Um, wow. Because it was also important to make sure to sprinkle some local history in as well. Right. Um, and, and then you've got a scuba lady up on mm -hmm. top. Absolutely. Um, information about scuba. And then the Diving Association, the Northwest Diving History Association, donated some tanks and different flippers. Regulators. Um, regulators, some fun yeah. stuff like that. So you can see what that would look like. Oh, wow. You've got some years. giant clamshells. Yes. With another mermaid standing mm -hmm. in them. With yes, so that's Aphrodite. Oh, Aphrodite, okay. Who we said is not technically a mermaid, but she is the Greek goddess of seafaring, is one of Aphrodite's things. So okay. she seemed appropriate. And also she was born from sea, from sea foam and appeared in a scallop shell, so it's, it's appropriate. Right, definitely. Yeah. So. And here you have scallops as your mm -hmm. uh, highlighted ocean ecology. Yeah. And it says, when mermaids sleep in oceans deep inside their coral caves, they lay their heads on seaweed beds, rock softly by the waves. And that was written by Mr. Anonymous. Yep, Mr. I've heard Anonymous. that he's done a lot of different He's done a lot things. of really good things, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Wow. So. A case full of pearls. Mm -hmm. And a display from Brady's Oysters, um, which is a local oyster farm. I think we saw so, that on our mm -hmm. way up. Yeah, so they... Um, sent in some information for us to put out, so we had some information on a local industry. This is just so cool. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that, that um, uh, mermaids were, were like this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this mermaid here is was made by a bunch of blind artists. Oh, really? And it was, what would a mermaid look and feel like if you can't see? Isn't that interesting? Which and we're supposed fun. to touch? Yes, that one you are supposed to touch. 
Wow. That is, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job. Yeah, It looks just like all the other mermaids in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And who did they use for the model? I don't know. Oh. I was <clears throat> not told that. Um, we also have the Fiji mermaid, made famous by uh, oh. Mr. P.T. Barnum. Okay. I love this story. Um, so I don't know if you've seen The Greatest Showman. Right. But uh, P.T. Barnum was not that nice. He was no Hugh Jackman. So they had this flyer of a beautiful mermaid, and they told everyone, come and see our beautiful mermaid. And um, when people got in there, they found a monkey sewn to a fishtail. <laughs> and people were not amused that they paid all this money, but nobody wanted to tell their friends that they paid all this money to see a monkey sewn to a fish. So people just told their friends it was a beautiful mermaid. And they ended up making a ton of money because everyone was too embarrassed to admit that they paid to see this. So, <laughs> I, I would that. be embarrassed to tell my friends to go see it's, it just on the account that they'd come back would, and tell me that I was a fool. You would think, but apparently but, everyone was like, "Yeah, it's beautiful. We loved her." <laughs> so. And so you've got a, a skeletal mermaid in a case yes. on top of a bunch mm -hmm. of razor clay, uh, mm -hmm. razor clams. Yep. And uh, she's not so beautiful. She's patterned after the, after the Fiji mermaid, yeah. And it's not very big. It's only, what, probably 12 inches long, yeah, 10 inches long? Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's there. Mm-hmm, exactly. All right, and then, of course, we have the Ariel Corner. We cannot be the International Mermaid Museum with no information on the most famous mermaid. How can it be an Ariel Corner when it's undersea? Oh. Ariel and Undersea are too well. conflicting. Never mind. <laughs> I'll give all the Disney watchers something to think about. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> so we have our Ariel mannequin. We have a little makeup desk that was donated by a little girl. They were moving, and it was her for her 11th birthday. She wanted to donate her Ariel vanity, Ariel makeup desk, to the International Mermaid Museum. And so they came down. She filled out all the paperwork and... Dropped it off, so we have it here. How which awesome is, wonderful. is that? It was really fun. It was I'll bet great. the, she I was bet so the little happy. girls just oh, absolutely. absolutely love this. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes we have people that just come in and they're just like, they just want to stay in this corner, look at the makeup set, watch Ariel sing. <laughs> like, there's a puzzle over there on top of the seal. The seal's also really cool. He's a yes. taxidermied seal that was donated. Um, and he goes with the Selkie, the Selkie information. Okay. So, um, are you familiar with Selkies? I'm not familiar okay, with so Selkies. Okay, so Selkies are Scandinavian, Irish, Scottish seal women. Oh. And they come out of the water every so often, take off their seal skins, and basically have a dance party on the beach. But if someone takes their seal skin, the Selkie has to go live with them. Okay. So unscrupulous people would hang out around Selkie dance parties and try to steal their, steal their skin. And then, of course, their selkie bride would spend most of the remainder of her life on land trying to steal her skin back so she could go back to the ocean. Interesting. So, you know, that's cheerful. Makes um, you wonder how many lives were lost sitting on a beach waiting for a selkie party. Oh, man. I don't even want to know. <laughs> They're not here yet. We're just like, oh, nope, those are just seals. There you go. <laughs> But yeah, so uh. that's, and there's also a lot of stories and families in Scotland and Ireland who trace their lineage back to various either 
Kiask, which is another Scottish mermaid, the mermaid, okay. the salmon one, or the Selkies, who claim really? they have some of that in their bloodline. That's interesting. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Most of the mermaid stories that we know about do come from Scotland and Ireland. Really? Because a lot of them, because the Scottish and Irish approach to magical things seems to be, let me give you a list and tell you how to avoid it so it doesn't kill you. Right. As opposed to other cultures, which are like, we're not going to talk about this magic thing that could kill you. The well, Scottish yeah. are like, here's our list. Avoid this place, avoid this place, avoid this place, watch out for mushroom rings, all that. Huh. And the Irish, too. So. Well, yeah, with their leprechauns and, exactly, and all yeah. the other fairies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's this corner here. And then the last thing we have is information about jellyfish, um, sea, which are now called sea jellies. Oh, they changed their name. They changed their name to sea jellies. Okay. Um, a group of je- sea jellies is called a smack. Really? Which I think is really fun. Um, and the mermaid here is Thessalonica a Greek princess who was the sister of Alexander the Great. Oh. So he died, and she tried to drown herself, but became a mermaid. Okay. Now, when children ask this story about the mermaid at the front by the sea jellies, I tell them that she died and turned into a mermaid because you don't want to plant that thought in someone's right, head. Right, you know? right, right. Um, so she would always ask how her brother was doing. Is he alive? And if they said the right thing, he lives and reigns and conquers the world, she let him go. If they said anything else, like he's dead, thank goodness, she would sink their ship. Oh. Um, kind of a classic case of uh, I can mess with my siblings, but uh, don't nobody you. else. Don't you. <laughs> excuse, excuse you. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah. The other artifact that's pretty cool is back out in the entry hall, okay. we have an alligator and a tail from the, mer- from the movie Ursula. And we were the last stop on their, um, their press tour. Okay. So we have the tail that was used in the movie. It's patterned after an alligator skin. And we have some information on how they designed the tail um, and a signed movie poster. So. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's all really cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the highlights of the museum um, and basically some of my favorite things. And you could spend all day long all day. reading these little uh, plaques yes. along the wall. And getting Absolutely. the different ecology and, mm-hmm. and mermaid. I didn't realize there were this many... Mm-hmm. known mermaids yep. or, this or named mermaids. is just 40 of the most family-friendly. Wow. So there's some that aren't family-friendly yes. at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and some of these are kind of dark, so the fact that these are the most family-friendly is okay. something to think about. This is so. really a fun little museum. I didn't know what to expect when we showed up here. We get but that a lot. I really like yeah. the oddball mm-hmm. museums, and this one kind of fits the bill. Yeah. You guys have done a very, very nice job Thank of presenting you. it and showing lots, lots of different mermaids. Anybody that was interested in a mermaid, old or young, this is the place to be. And it's in Markham, Washington. You guys have a website. Yes. I believe it's mermaidmuseum.org. Okay. Mermaidmuseum.org. Mm-hmm. And you guys are open every day. Every day, except for Thanksgiving and Christmas from 11 to 6. From 11 to 6. Mm-hmm. And you're right next to the beach. I mean, the beach is mm-hmm. not far to where you can enjoy the beach and the mermaids. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just, it, it's fantastic. And I appreciate you taking your time with me today, Bailey. Of course. Thank you so much uh, for coming in. I always finish out my podcast by saying the world is full of wonder. And you need to get out and explore. 
but uh, don't go diving too deep in the ocean because what you might find may not be quite as pleasant as you'd hoped. <laughs> and everybody have an absolutely wonder-filled day. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. We usually post pictures of the museums that we uh, go to. And we also, it's at uh, Where Am I To Go Podcast uh, on Facebook. And then we also have a website at whereamitogo.com. And that has a breakdown state by state of where we've done podcasts and museums we've been to. Uh, check those out. And again, have a wonder-filled day. All the roll and go, where am I to go, meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?